Good. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful how God brings together a service and each of the elements all of a sudden have elements from my sermon in it. And it's been just wonderful to see how God's worked. And I'm Bronwyn. I'm one of the elders here. And I just praise God that we can worship God, him, this morning, learning more of him. Um, we've had a wonderful journey so far over the eight weeks or so with the pastors and elders looking at um, various people in the Bible and seeing turning points in their lives and how they've been impacted by them. Each person has taken a different perspective or tack on what we're asked to do um, and it's given us a wonderful variety of testimonies about the wonderful grace and love of God. Now, mine's going to be different again. <laughs> this means, too, that your story, too, will be different. But they all have a common theme or aim. If we are disciples of Jesus, then God wants our stories, our turning points, to be a witness to his love and saving grace. And he wants you to share it. Before I continue, however, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your great love for us. As I speak this morning, may you be glorified in and through what I say. May each person here know that they are important to you and that you love them and they have a part to play in sharing your life. Amen. Well, when I was thinking about a Bible character to use for the day, I immediately thought of Ruth. But then God brought Jael to my mind. Ruth I could understand because many years ago he used her story in my life. But Jael? Yet the more I looked into, my, into her story, I could see how her story had lessons for my own. So I'm going to use both. Let's start with Ruth. Ruth is one of only two books in the Bible named after women and the only book in the Bible named after a Gentile woman. The book, book of Ruth is set around the time of the judges when the Moabites were neighbours of Israel. Elimelech, and now this is where I'll go get nervous and can't say the names. Elimelech and Naomi had come from, to Moab from Bethlehem because there was famine in Bethlehem at that time. They settled in Moab and Elimelech arranged marriages for his sons, not to Jewish girls, but to girls from Moab, Ruth and Orpah. Sadly, Elimelech and his two sons died, so Naomi, Orpah and Ruth were in a very difficult situation. When Naomi heard that God had come to the aid of the Jews in Bethlehem, she decided to return to Bethlehem. Both Orpah and Ruth said they'd go with her. Then Naomi basically said, no, 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 it's not going to be good for you to come back. Go back to your mothers, you'll be better off to them, with them, you'll get married again and that'll be good. Orpah while at first saying she would go to Bethlehem with Naomi, decided to return to her mother's family and what she knew of and the possibility of another marriage. Ruth, however, um, Ruth, however, did not. She said she would stay with Naomi. She took a step into the unknown and turned to Naomi's God, the God of Israel, and was willing to go with her. Ruth 1.16 says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go. Where you will stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people 
and your God, my God. Ruth was prepared to step into the unknown. Someone else is doing that today too, into the unknown, moving away and going to Nepal. Um, So step into the unknown future with God, Israel. When she arrived in Bethlehem, Ruth was faithful to what she was being told to do and so became part of the family tree of Christ. Now, you know I enjoyed doing genealogy, so that was important for me too. She became part of that family tree. The inclusion of the story in Ruth in the Bible shows us God's grace and desire and ability to work in and through the lives of anyone who turns to him, no matter who they are or what their background is. Now, let's look at Jael. Israel and Jabin, the Canaanite, were at war. Deborah was judge of Israel and told Barak, the commander of the Israelites, what to do. But he would not do it without Deborah. If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go, she said in Judges 4.8. Deborah agrees to go, but tells Barak that because of the way he responded to God's call, there would be no glory for him in Jabin's defeat. In fact, God was going to tell Sisera, the commander of Jabin's armies, into the hand of a woman instead and give her the glory. Shortly after Deborah and Barak exchanged, Barak's army met Sisera's in battle. Sisera's army was losing and Sisera, there's another word to say, Sisera saw that all his soldiers were dead, so he fled. In Judges, we'll just see the story because some people really haven't heard of Jael. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heba the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Hebite, the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, she said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk and gave him the drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, she told her. If someone comes and asks you, is anyone there? Say no. But Jael, Heba's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer, went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the tent peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her. And there lay Sisera with a tent peg through his temple, dead. Now, I haven't got a tent peg today, so I'm not going to use it on anyone. <laughs> All the Bible tells us about Jael is that she was a Bedouin, the wife of Heber the Kenite, supposedly friendly to the Canaanites. The Bible does not tell us why Jael, as a supposed friend of Sisera, did what she did. But what is important is that when the time came to make the decision, she didn't hesitate. Soon Sisera would be awake again. She took the opportunity to do what God was asking her to do. She had to ignore all the fear, all the what-ifs. Jael acted on the opportunities God gave, and she used the tools and skills God gave. Jael saw her opportunity to act and seized it. This was the beginning of the end of the Canaanites' reign over Israel. Ruth and Jael were aliens, outsiders, women, yet God used them. But how do they relate to my story? 
I grew up in a loving family with parents who not only taught my sister and I about Jesus, they lived out their faith in him. Mum and Dad were both active in the church and my sisters and I grew up with church and stories of Jesus being an integral part of our lives. When I was five or six years old, my aunts and grandfather moved just up the road from us and so I spent a lot of time with them and I became very close to them. When I was 10, however, my grandfather died. His death was the first time I could remember the death of someone I loved. I was trying to understand why God would take someone I loved away from me. What was death? I realised it was important. I had touched my grandfather and he was cold. Now about that time I was given a small New Testament and in it were paintings of what artists thought various stories looked like. There was an image of the crucifixion of Christ. I can remember looking at it for a long time. What did it all mean? Why did Jesus die? And why did mum and dad say he died for me? And rose again, even though he must have been cold after he died too. Turning point one. One Sunday night when I was about 11, I went to church with my aunt. It was to a different church to the one we normally attended. And she wanted someone to walk with her. Youth for Christ were leading, leading the service and a young man gave his testimony and a lady sang. I can't remember the sermon. <laughs> but I listened intently to the young man's testimony and it had a great impact on me. At the end, they called for those who wanted to accept Jesus as saviour and become one of his followers to come forward to the front. I felt an immense urging to go to the front. I knew I needed to go forward. I wanted to go. I don't remember the hymn they were singing, but it must have been a mighty long one, as I resisted that urge to take a first step out of my seat. But shaking, eventually, I did take that step, and I did go forward. I have never forgotten that immense feeling of trepidation as I took that step and then an immense feeling of joy all at the same time. That night I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I'd started high school about that time, Al was about to. At that time the Bible Society, now some of you might remember these stickers, had stickers that you could put on your school folders. They were bright blue or orange or pink. So I put them on my books. I can't remember what they said now, but it must have been something like, Jesus saves or Jesus loves you. While most of my classmates just ignored them, one student did not. He tried to rip them off my books or make comments about my faith. He spat on them. I can remember riding home on my bike in tears on many occasions. Mum prayed with me and encouraged me that God was with me and would strengthen me, and he did. I felt that with God's help, I could be a witness even to this student. My mum and dad started a Bible study group with people ranging from my age, we were in about 12 at that stage, to well over 70. Now, the 70 doesn't look that old now. <laughs> and so I learned that I was encouraged and prayed for. My faith grew but I really didn't see or understand how to find out what God wanted me to do in and with my life. With a group from church, we would attend Youth for Christ rallies in the city. Now, one of that group was the son of the new minister at church. 
The end of high school was coming and I really didn't know what I wanted to study or do with my life. I applied to study speech therapy, but it didn't get a place. And then in the second round of offers, was given a place at Truett Teachers College to study primary teaching. In those days, studentships were offered, which meant you were paid to study and you were guaranteed a job at the end. I didn't get one of those, but I was offered a scholarship with no guarantee of a job at the end. I was really upset at this, but had no other options, so accepted. Little did I know that this was part of God's plan for me. Now, remember the son of the new minister? John was his name. Well, he worked relatively close to Turak Teachers College in Malvern, and so to help me save money, he offered to drive me close to where he worked, and I was able to walk just a short distance to college. Well, when you're in a car together and driving from Clayton to Malvern regularly, there is a lot of time to talk. <laughs> and talk we did. <laughs> After a while, we started going out. After finishing my primary teacher training, and you can see some of the results of that today, there were no real prospects of a job in a state primary school, so I went on to Burwood, now Deakin Uni, and completed a graduate diploma to teach hearing-impaired students. It was a step into the unknown, but God had his hand upon me. In early 1979, John and I were married, and I started work at Karen Bank, School for Deafblind Children, now known as Aurora. So where does Ruth fit into all of this? Well, as I look back, I can see my idea was that John and I would settle down, have jobs, go to church, have a family, and that if there were opportunities to tell people about Jesus, we would. But that was that. God had other plans, as we could see. In 1980, we, we were, at just the right time, able to buy a house in Ringwood, and I thoroughly enjoyed my work with Samantha, a child who was born very, very prematurely, and the result ended up being both deaf and blind. God was very much part of our lives, but in some ways we were still driving the car where we wanted to go, not where God wanted us to be. Turning point two, we started looking for a new church in or near Ringwood. We visited a number, church, number of churches, then Mitcham Baptist. As we quickly left the church after service, Marjorie Kitchen made sure she spoke to us. We visited some more churches, but after praying, we felt that God was leading us to NBC. NBC had and still does have a strong missions emphasis, and over the next two years, we were taught, discipled, and encouraged to walk in our walk with God. The Hudson Taylor movie, Explo, a statewide missions emphasis, and we intended a small, mixed-age, small group. And now, in 1982... John had long service leave, so we planned an overseas trip. I obtained permission from the education department to accompany my husband. So we travelled overseas for three months, including a Christian youth tour around Europe. On this trip, God opened our eyes to the vast number of people needing to hear about Jesus. We saw deep spiritual darkness. Then in the Blue Mosque in Istanbul, the guide asked our group why we were so different to the normal groups who came through. He'd heard that our group had been to a restaurant the previous night, and while we'd had fun, we were all very sober when we left, not rolling drunk like the normal group. 
And he wanted to ask us why. So there in the blue mosque, in the middle of the blue mosque, our group had an opportunity to say who we were and who we believed in. The great need for people to hear about the saving grace of Jesus was there before us and it impacted us. Turning point three. At one evening service after church, after we returned, there was a call for those who wanted to explore where God was leading. John and I went forward, taking a step to see where and what God would have us do and go and do. We realised that we needed to be taking a step of faith, like Ruth, into the unknown to us, but not to God. So for the next three years, we lived in and studied at the Bible College of Victoria, and during that time, we went through the application process with various missions. Now, this remember, this is the 1980s. Okay? Some interviews were more to do with what John would do, and the assumption was that I would just be the wife, mother, and keeper of the home. Tim Australia was different, and the expectation was that I would have a role to play as well. Tim found a placement for us in Africa, but after visa problems, we were changed to go to Bolivia. Bolivia? We had to go to the library to find out, book, find books on it. No such thing as looking up online then. We left for Bolivia in May 1989 as a family of three. Our joy was complete with the birth of our second daughter in Bolivia. When the girls were small, yes, I did spend a lot of my time at home with them. I continued to learn Spanish and get used to this new culture, and I worked with John on video productions on ministries in Bolivia. In our second term in Bolivia, we were living in a house at the mission school. Across the road from school was our local evangelical church. Alison and Kathleen were in school, and I was on Kessel. As well as video productions, John was also heavy, heavily involved in the Quechua radio project. As I was to a certain degree, but where did I really fit? Many other missionary wives did keep the home and attend or lead Bible studies, and single women, single women worked in different ministries. But I didn't feel competent enough to do those things, especially in Spanish. Turning point four. Now... Have you been wondering where JL fits in? <laughs> From JL, my turning point was the realisation that I needed to act on the opportunities that God was putting in front of me and be me and use the skills and abilities he's given to me, not to anyone else, to me, and not be afraid to speak in Spanish. JL, as a woman, would have been skilled in setting up her tent wherever she needed to. It was her role. She was skilled in using a tent peg, not a sword. So when the need arise, she used the tent peg and a hammer. God always equips us for whatever situation he puts in front of us. We may think that we don't have the skills, but God does. In a particularly difficult time, God gave me this verse to encourage me. Isaiah 41, 9 to 10. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant, I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. 
I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It was so relevant for me then, and it still is. It was relevant for me because he called us to Bolivia to serve him and there, and he would give us the strength and the ability we needed. But these verses are always relevant for all of us. God call, God's call strengthens and upholds us as we serve him. Another missionary, Michelle, who's now with the Lord, came to me and asked me to help her run a group for women, providing them with an income and training them how to sew, make items for sale, and also to share with them about how Jesus loved them. So began my ministry with Michelle and the ladies from the Karachi Kampa Church. Word got out that the group was running and soon we had over 40 ladies coming. Most of them did not attend church. The ladies from the church led the devotions and and this way their faith was strengthened and Michelle and I were not seen as the only ones who had spiritual answers. The ladies did not mind my Spanish. In fact, they could laugh and I could laugh with them about my mistakes and also learn from them. I just had to try. I found I could speak more easily with them and share with them in my limited Spanish about Jesus and my faith. Our our home became the storage area for the group and so we had ladies coming in all through the week. Alison and Kathleen could see the front gate from their rooms and they'd call out, Mum, there's a lady at the gate. Ladies, Spanish, much laughter and fabric, (laughs) that's our living room, um, filled our home. The group was blessed and we saw women come to know Christ and grow in their faith. Through the years, probably more than 100 women were involved. These are just some of them. I don't know the spiritual results of this ministry, but God does. We can trust him with the results. All he wants from us is obedience to do as he leads and for us to honour him. God also led John and I to other ministries while we were in Bolivia and in trusting him and in stepping out for him, we thrived. When Kathleen finished high school in 2008, God showed us it was time to take another huge step and return to Australia. It was Ruth reversed. Now Australia was the unknown. It was not easy returning to Australia. We were in Bolivia 20 years and we were changed by those years. Bolivia had become home. We had to say goodbye to dear friends we had made. There's some of them here. Once again, I, we, had to do a Ruth and step into the unknown. Australia had also changed in the years we were away, and even though we had time in Australia during those years, they were still relatively short visits. I can say that since returning from Bolivia, God has shown me that while at times I've found it difficult, he still goes before me and he wants me to be who I am, to be prepared to live out my faith for him and to trust him to work out the outcome. (laughs) Becoming an elder was another step into the unknown. Look what it's led to. (laughs) In these years, I've seen how God has always gone before me. I just need to trust him and continue to take steps into the unknown. So what's it got to do with you? Fascinating for you to hear my story, but is it relevant to you? 
Yes. Are you prepared to step into the unknown with God? It may be that you need to take the first step in in accepting Jesus Christ as Saviour, to trust God with your future. Or if you're already a follower of Jesus, to seek what he wants you to do and be for him whatever your age. Everyone is important to God. Ruth was a Gentile refugee, yet she became part of the genealogy of Christ. JL's story is only six verses long, yet what she did was important to God and his plan. Will you use the skills, abilities and experiences you have been through to tell others about Jesus in words and in how you live? God uses little things to accomplish great plans. The student that gave Pastor Paul a note he referred to in his sermon a couple of weeks back did not immediately understand or see the impact that that small step of obedience had. Even if you think you don't have the skills, but you know God is asking you to do something, are you prepared to take a step of faith with and for God and do it? Doesn't he know you better than you do? You are unique. Be who you are for God. No one else has your mix of age, personality, abilities, skills and gifts. So use them for God wherever you are, here at MBC and in your everyday life. It could be serving tea and coffee after a service, greeting people, doing the audiovisuals on the computer for a service, setting up for communion, or being asked do it, doing it when you're asked to serve it during a service. Just being friendly to people wherever you are. Saying hello. Praying for someone. Kids hope, laughs, jam, brigade, all need people to help. Writing a note to someone. Share with someone about your turning point to Jesus. Tell someone about Jesus. Have someone to your place for a meal. The list is endless. Be the one to step out, not the one who waits for people to come to you. Every day is an opportunity for each of us to live for him and to share about his offer of salvation wherever or whoever you're with. God loves you and wants you to thrive for him. Let today be a turning point for you. Let's pray and the worship team can come up. Father, thank you that each person is he- here today is important to you. You love them and want them to love you and live for you and show and tell other people that Jesus loves them too. Encourage us today in our walk with you. Help each one of us to seek how you want us to live, what you would have us do, and be prepared to step into the unknown with you. Be who you are, be who we are for you and to speak and to act for you, to serve you with the ability you have given us wherever you take us, to love others so that they may see their need of Jesus and your love and come to know him as saviour. Thank you, Jesus, for what he did for all of mankind and help us to take a step of faith for you today so that others may know you too.